And welcome back to week two of getting the game. As you can see here, it looks like Tad has been taking Coach Gino's advice by leveling up his personal skills. Let's see how that translates when he plays against the big boys. Hey, hey, you can't expect to win on your own. You need community. You need a teammate. Hey, James, get over here and join Todd's team and help him out. I have no words once again. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to week two of Get in the Game. It's our message series. Uh, we've been focusing on what it means to get involved in the life of your church and kind of taking four different aspects. And today, uh, we're on week two. We're really focusing on what it means to get involved in a small group, a small community of believers. And I've asked Tom and Sue Finn to join me here today. Why don't you give it up for Tom and Sue Finn? <laughs> I'm going to hand that to you, Sue. I've asked them to just um, talk to, just briefly about um, their, the impact that being a part of a small group has made in their, in their spiritual lives. Uh, they come with kind of a, a, a pretty depth, in-depth background of small groups, not just being involved, but also leading. And Sue, um, let's get it kicked off this morning. Tell me, um, how has being a, in a group over the years contributed to your own personal spiritual journey? Uh, being in a small group helps has helped me get to know people better who are believers, maybe more mature than me. Um, maybe they've been in the faith longer. And it also has helped me learn how to be a part of something that's bigger than I am. It's very important to me to be a part of something rather than just be off alone in the corner. And it's made a big difference in my day-to-day -day life and my spiritual growth. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I love what you said, just being a part of something bigger and, and not being alone. And I think that's one of the things that we struggle with in our spiritual lives is this idea of spiritual loneliness, of, of really struggling because we don't think or maybe we're not choosing to be involved in, in a group of believers. Tom, how about you? How, how has being a part of groups contributed to, uh, to your spiritual life? It looks like you've got notes there. He's got 10 pages of notes here. I've got a few remarks here. What have I, do I have like 10, That's 15 awesome. minutes? Oh, God. yeah. Just so you know, Tom's a lawyer, so I think we're, uh, we just stepped into court, didn't we? So it's not that long? <laughs> not that I'll long, Tom, but go it, ahead. You got the mic, man. Uh, no, seriously, when I was thinking about this, um, uh, our walk of faith really can, can kind of boil down to two things. One is the Word of God, mm. and the other is people. And I really think that's kind of God's design for how we're supposed to live out our journey of faith. And it really depends on people. Mm -hmm. And if you think about a small group, you know, the word of God is the word of God. It's truth. And without that as a guide, we're kind of lost. It's just the next guy's opinion. Mm -hmm. But we got to rely on the, the word of God. But then people is where we live out the word of God. That's mm -hmm. where it kind of goes from theory to actual practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, without that kind of... Uh, 
close connection with other people, we can just kind of, I, I think we've got a tendency as, as individuals to try to kind of hunker down and be by ourselves, uh, not take a lot of risks, mm. be safe, not necessarily expose ourselves to too much. So I think being in a small group kind of fights against that. Mm. I also think, uh, you know, I, I'm 70, and I've seen this incredible change in society since I was a kid. And uh, they were... The, <laughs> Sue, Sue says that she didn't know he was 70, so we're, yeah, just dovetailing into a series on marriage. Okay, anyway. Okay. 39 years I've been upstage like this. Uh, 39 oh. years. It's just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've totally, well, which is probably good. I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, the last thing is, honestly, I think, uh, like, when I was a kid growing up in the 50s and 60s, everything was very community-oriented. Mm. It was all groups. It was neighborhoods. It was mm. churches and stuff like that. We've gone from that today where it's just very much ourselves and mm. uh, kind of social media and looking at our cell phones yeah. all the time. Like, we were at Bluffton yesterday walking around, and I tell you, there were so many people that were just kind of walking, yeah. staring at their phones, not talking to whoever mm. they're with. Anyway, I could go on for a long time. <laughs> but being in a group is essential to both fight that human individual mm. tendency to want to stick by yourself, and mm. also to fight, I think, what society is trying to pull us apart mm. as community. So I think it's critical from that sense. Absolutely. I love what you oh, said. I, I love what you this, right? <laughs> you are. You are, actually. Uh, I loved what you said. Yeah, I'll take your notes. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Uh, I knew this was going to be fun. Uh, so I loved what you said, that, that people are where the Word of God is fleshed out, where our faith is fleshed out. And that's so true, not only outside the church, which we're going to be talking about uh, next week and the week after that, but, but also within the walls of the church. And so um, thank you guys so much for, for just sharing a little bit this morning. And um, I'm so thankful for Tom and Sue, um, two of the most encouraging people um, at our church. And I'm very thankful for you guys. Thanks so much for sharing a little bit this morning. I'm going to give you your notes back. Absolutely. Give it up for Tom and Sue this morning. You know, to their point, uh, I, I don't know how, how many of you have lived in a very large city, but all over the world, uh, people gravitate towards cities. It's kind of interesting. There's this kind of this gravitational pull towards being in a city with other people. And whether it's Tokyo or Mexico City or Atlanta, Georgia or New York City, uh, where we used to live, uh, there's just this magnetic pull towards cities. As a matter of fact, in the United States, about 81% of people live in an urban area. Let that sink in for a second. 81% of the people in the United States live in an urban area near a city. Yet, if you take a look at statistics of all kinds, you're going to see that most people will, will admit when asked, most people will admit that they are terribly lonely. Here we are as a society, as human beings, living together around millions of people, and we're all alone. And I think that that is just kind of a cross-section of, unfortunately, the way that Christians live their lives as well. We have the resources of everyone around us, yet we live our lives by ourselves in loneliness. Today, when you walked in, I, I'm going to ask you to get this card out today. It should have been in your worship folder, um, and it's, uh, it's our Get in the Game card. And uh, there's two things that I want to um, just draw your attention to. 
The first one is, is that there's a list of all of our different groups on the front of this. And today, um, as I'm talking, and you're going to hear Chris share in a moment. In fact, I'm going to give you a very abbreviated version of the message that I had planned today because I believe God's got something a little different in store for us this morning. Um, but uh, I want to encourage you to fill this out. You can put your name on there, your cell phone, your email address, and uh, just let us know uh, about one of these that you're interested in. In the life of our church, we've never had a time in the life of our church where we've had so many opportunities to get involved in Christian community. And I'm so excited about that, and Chris will tell you a little bit more about that. On the back is a list of areas for you to get involved in, in ministry, and many of our partners will talk about that over the next two weeks. Um, our partners, many of our partners are going to be here. They're here today. I want to encourage you as soon as we're done to walk in backstage and visit some of our, our community partners and find out um, what we do as a church in terms of partnering with other ministries and other organizations in our community. And uh, be a part of that this week and next week and, and the week after that. Um, today, get in the game. What does it mean to live in community and in Christian community and to have fellowship with other believers? I'm going to ask you to turn to, to Genesis chapter 1. And today what I want to do is, is just kind of in three parts, um, just give you a little bit of the background of the theology of why it's important for us to be involved in community, why it's important for us as Christ followers, to, to be involved with other people. And I want to begin all the way back at the beginning. I want to begin where it all started in Genesis. Because I don't know if you realize this, but when God created the heavens and the earth, and when he began the process of connecting with us as humans, and when he decided to redeem us from our sins through the gift of his son Jesus, um, he was doing that as God, the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I've heard it been said that um, the Trinity, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is one of the most difficult things for us as humans to understand. And I, I get that. That's understandable that God is three, and yet he's one. That all three parts of the Trinity have like a part in, in what God is doing with humankind and with redemption and with our faith walk, yet he's one God. And while it's very hard for us to understand, there's an important lesson that we can learn right out of the gates, right in the beginning. Check this out in Genesis 26 and 27. I want to point out this morning, first and foremost, is that we were created for community. Check this out. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. You see, right out of the gates, we, we have the theology of the Holy Spirit right here. Excuse me, the, the, the theology of the Godhead, the Trinity, God at three and one, right here, right at the beginning of the Bible. And what we see from this is from the plural use of, of God, and he, he uh, describing the creation story, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let, them let him have dominion over the fish of the sea. And, and then it goes on to say God created man in his own image. And you see this going back and forth 
between the plural and the singular use of God. But at the beginning, God used the plural to write the story of creation. He used the plural version of God describing that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want you to get your mind around the fact that the nature of who God is, three in one, is community. The very nature of who God is describes community. He himself is a triune God, three in one. And so the fact that he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit speaks of the very nature of the fact that God is community. But if we really take a look at this in verse 27, he created man in his own image. He created um, he created Adam and he created Eve in his image. God created you and me, thank you, Leslie, in his image. And so I want to communicate and, and tell you today that if God is a, a communal God, if he is created for community, and if we are created in his image, then we are created for community. I've heard this phrase over and over and over again, this Christian life or this life was never meant to be alone. And some of you um, who are sanguine, you're like, yeah, I agree with that. Those of you who are, you know, very much like, you know, you're a people person, like you, you never meet a stranger. You're like, yeah, I was created for community. And those of you who are introverts, you want to get in the shadows and you're like, yeah, you all were created for community. I remember the first time um, when Cynthia and I were dating. I know it's a little bit hard to believe, but I was really, really, really incredibly shy in college. And we went to a party, and we had one of our first arguments. And the argument was that I sat in a chair in the corner and didn't say a word to anyone. Yeah, I was crazy in college. <laughs> I didn't say a word, and we got in the car, and she was like, what? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? I didn't think there was anything wrong with going to a party, and not talking to anyone. I was an introvert. I, I, I was completely, I wanted to be alone. I wanted to be by myself. I wanted to have my own time. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And she spent all day talking to everyone at the party. She knew everybody's name. She knew their whole story. We've kind of flip-flopped over the years a little bit. Um, I've become much more the extrovert, and she's become a little bit more of the introvert. But I want to tell you, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you're sanguine or whether you're someone who likes your time by yourself, all of us, listen church, all of us were created for community. Because we were created in the image of God who is a God whose very nature is community. So today I want you to first and foremost understand that we were created for community. But the second thing I want you to understand is, is that if we read the Bible and we really understand what God was doing with his church, it is his church that is really the foundation of what community is beyond the family unit. It's the church where we are to express and to exercise that need for community. And that want for community. Acts chapter 2. And a lot of you have seen this. And many of you have studied it. And we've done multiple messages on Acts chapter uh, uh, 2. Verses 42 through 47. Check this out. This is the very first church. Gathering together. 
And it's written like this. Luke writes this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those, or day by day, those who were being saved. And this is the first church, this is the first time that a group of Christ followers have, have come together and they, they, they operate in this context of this community uh, um, uh, that, that they understood and that they, they lived and many of them lived it because it was part of their, their heritage as, as Jewish people. They lived very much the same way in the same context, but check out the things that they did. They were committed to Bible study, they were committed to fellowship. They were committed to eating together. I, I put dinner down, okay? And they do that several times. Look, it happened back in the first century church. That's why we do it today. We, we understand that food needs to be the center of anything and people will show up. So we just keep on in that tradition. They supported each other. They sold their possessions and, 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 and helped out and found out where there were needs and gave things away. They shared resources. They, they attended church together. That was the part that they were talking about, the temple. And then they ate again together. They just continued continue to eat together. Um, they worshiped together, and they even did outreach together, and they celebrated what God was doing together. Man, the very first church did everything together in community, both small groups and together in large groups. And so the church is God's instrument for you and for me, for us to engage in community. It's part of the reason that he created the church, is for community. And our mission as a church is to passionately share the message of Jesus and to lead people to follow him. And part of the leading people to follow him is, is getting them in a, a group or a Bible study. And those are the two different things that we have, kind of expressions of community. Is, is We have small groups. Small groups are, are groups that are ongoing. They meet in the community. They meet in coffee shops. They meet in homes. They meet um, uh, you know, all over the place. And, and, and I believe that just like that first church, we see this idea of, the, the, the people getting together in smaller groups and the world saw them and they were attracted to Jesus because of them. But then we have classes where it's a little bit more kind of internal and in the walls of the church and it meets, has kind of a beginning date and an end date. And then we have roots, um, which uh, Tom and Sue attend on, uh, with me on Wednesday nights during the school year. In fact, Tom um, is going to be um, leading roots. He didn't know that until just now. No, I'm just kidding. He did know that. Uh, and uh, so we, uh, we have roots here that we meet together and study what we did on Sunday morning a little bit deeper. And so that's how we express it in this particular church. And I, I want to encourage you um, to find a way to get involved. And that's my third point. Not only are we created in the image of God, and not only is the church God's avenue for expressing and engaging in community, but lastly, um, you need to know that God wants your involvement in community. I believe that he wants all of our involvement in community. 
In fact, the question that I want to ask you is, is, what would it be like if you weren't involved in community? You see, I think that sometimes we approach it from the standpoint of what can I receive from, from being a part of a group or part of a class or being involved with other Christians on a, on a little bit deeper level than maybe we get to on Sunday morning. And, and my thought is, is that we need to have that mindset, but we also need to have a selfless mindset, a selfless approach. It's not only about what we're receiving, but also how we're contributing to the group and how we're contributing to the needs and the crisis that goes on in a community. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this, for as in one body we have many members and the members don't all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You see, as Christ followers, I believe that we are compelled towards involvement in community where we both receive spiritual nourishment and encouragement. We get to flesh out week one of getting the game, which was all about our own personal time with God, personal devotion, personal quiet time. But we also receive, not only do we also receive spiritual encouragement, but we also contribute to the encouragement of other Christ followers. Listen, if you're not involved Maybe someone is not being encouraged in their walk with God because you're not involved. Maybe, just maybe, because you're not involved in Christian community, you're not involved in a group or a class, maybe someone out there is missing out on being encouraged in their faith walk. The writer of Hebrews encourages us I'm going to skip down Hebrews 10, verse 24. He encourages us to hold fast, verse 23, to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. But check out verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up. You see, this life wasn't meant to be lived alone, but we also are encouraged to be involved, stirring one another up. I believe that that word means encouraging, challenging getting to know other people, getting, to, getting involved in their spiritual lives, asking how they're doing in terms of their faith walk. How, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then the author of Hebrews says, not neglecting to meet together as, in the, hab- as the habit of some are doing, but encouraging one another as the day draws near. See, we were created for community. The church was created as the expression of that community, first and foremost in our culture. But we individually have to find a way to get involved and to be a part because someone needs our encouragement and our challenge spiritually. I'm going to ask Chris McBride to come up on stage with me. Uh, Many of you know Chris. Um, She and Dave uh, moved here several years ago, and she got involved in the life of our church, um, really helping out with our groups. And this past year, we brought her on. Come on over over here, Chris. There we go. Awesome. In the light. Um, And uh, Chris has gotten involved in a full-time capacity here as our Connection and Groups Director. Why don't you give it up for Chris this morning? I want to just take the remainder of our time just to talk to Chris. We weren't planning on doing this until last night at about 8 o'clock, right? All right. That's right. And I, I didn't coerce you, right? <laughs> no, you did not. Yes. So I, I did ask you if you would be willing to share. Because um, you and Dave, um, I know, have been really involved in the churches that you've been a part of. Um, you've been involved in groups. And now you're leading this group ministry, and you've ha- you come with 
great experience from other churches um, leading and growing a group's ministry. But right now, you guys are experiencing a crisis that I know um, in your own life um, where groups have mattered and continue to matter. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that right now. Um, so our son thought he had a pinched sciatic nerve. Um, we took him to school, got him hooked up with a chiropractor there. He'd been seeing one here. And um, he went for his physical. And one of his liver enzymes were just slightly off a little bit. But the doctor he went to said, you know what? I want to do an ultrasound that usually shows gallbladder disease. And the ultrasound showed that he had a mass on his adrenal gland. Um, we went up and got him, and he um, was in a lot of pain, and we knew that, but we thought it was the sciatic nerve. And we took him to um, Atrium Health uh, Carolina Medical Center in Charlotte because they took care of him when he was younger. And um, they did a CAT scan, and what it showed is um, he had two masses, one on his kidney, one on his adrenal gland, and some other spots of cancer all over. And um, we received the diagnosis that he has advanced cancer, some kind of carcinoma. There's still, whatever it is, it's rare, and they're still figuring out um, where it originated some, from so that they can treat him um, with the right chemotherapy. And Andrew is his name, and how old is he? He is 25, and this is his last year of grad school at Liberty University. Yeah, yeah Liberty, uh, my alma mater, go Flames. Uh, but he, I know that he um, uh, was really upset because of having to, to you know, not be there um, this semester. He already had gone up and got settled, because everything that she's telling you has happened over the last month, uh, last few weeks, really. It really has. Yeah. We're... September go. <laughs> yeah, where did September go? Um, and especially for you guys. Now, how has groups been meaningful, both your experience in the past, meaningful today, and your experience now um, in your group? Um, I'll start now. Our, um, the groups we're part of here, people have just been amazing. Um, the first night home from CMC, one um, of the couples brought over an amazing meal. We've gotten texts. They've offered to take care of dogs. Um, they've offered to go up to school and get Andrew's things. Just unbelievable. But what is so cool to us is we've kind of been in groups for almost the last 30 years. We've been married 31 years. And people from every single small group that we have been part of um, have contacted us. A couple drove from Delaware and hung out with us those first few days in the hospital. And we're just unbelievable encouragement. Um, we're staying, we've actually stayed with um, two good friends in Charlotte and both of them have said, our house is your house. And we have a list of eight other people that said, if you need place, our house is your house. Um, they've sent us texts. Wednesday, Andrew woke up and he was in an extreme amount of pain. And my phone blew up with all these people, most that we'd been in groups with, that said, the Lord just really put you on our heart today. We're praying for all of you and especially Andrew. And they had no idea what was going on. And then um, one of the ladies in one of my small groups sent me a text on Friday and said, I just want to encourage you. My sister was diagnosed with lymphoma at 34. They said there really was no hope she was going to die. She was in the hospital two months. 
and Thanksgiving Day, she woke up and was completely healed, baffled the doctors, mm. and that lady is 64 now. Mm. So just wow. those encouragement. Wow. Mm. Um, and I think that's the beauty of being in a group because other people have experienced God's work in their life. So when they share that experience, it really encourages you and it reminds you that God's at work. But you also find out, you know, other people are struggling. So there's not a lot you can do when you're in the hospital, but we know people that are struggling with health issues. Well, I could pray for them. We know people taking care of elderly parents. Pray for them. And it's a reminder, number one, that, you know, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but have hope. I've overcome the world. It reminds you it's not the only one, but it also keeps you from being self-centered. And in a time when you kind of feel very needy, it's one small way that you can kind of pray and encourage others in the midst of your own crisis. You know, and I was thinking about this too, Chris, that one of the things that we forget about is, is that we, we want the encouragement. We want um, kind of the help uh, when we're in the midst of crisis. But it's a, little bit about, uh, it's a little bit like what we talked about a few weeks ago about the different disciplines that um, it takes practice. Community takes practice. Absolutely. And being in and involved and, and receiving and giving spiritual nourishment and encouragement to each other is something that's practiced in the normal course of life so that when the crisis comes like you all are going through, um, you do have this group of people that can surround you and be, be you know, praying for you um, and being a part of what, you know, something like you guys are going through. It's interesting that you said that because as my husband and I were talking, we really feel like there's two anchors that we have. And the first one is because we've been part of great churches our whole marriage and because we've been in small groups and have really been able to wrestle with scripture and know who God is, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is a loving father, that he is good, and that he is faithful. And no matter how this story plays out, those things don't change. So that's the one anchor. And the other anchor, as I've already mentioned, is just the community of people. We are friends with people that I don't think we would have been become friends with in any other context except for a small group. But I want to let all you know, you know, you have to give small group a chance. Um, some of our closest friends started off in groups that it took like a good year for it to kind of click. And, you know, at one point we were leading a group and my husband and I were like, I don't like, should we have done this? This just doesn't seem to be working. And then all of a sudden God works and he just knits hearts together and People that maybe when you first met, you felt no connection with at all have become like really close friends, but it does take time for that to happen. It does. It takes, takes time, and it takes time for even a church to develop a great small group ministry. And I was so excited before everything happened. Um, this is the way things work. This is the way God works. Before, every, before they knew anything with Andrew, um, Chris had a, 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 like a huddle, a small group, group, leader group, group leader huddle. I almost got that wrong. Uh, I had a group leader huddle, uh, and we had just, I thought, the best time in terms of encouraging each other as group leaders um, in the life of this church a few weeks ago, and it was within days um, that everything happened in, in your life. And, um, you know, you're doing a great work here, and I want to encourage you to continue that. 
Um, and um, I want to encourage you on that. And uh, she, last night when I was talking to Chris, she said, Satan's mad. Satan's mad. And I don't care. I'm going to stand strong. So that's why I'm coming up here today and talking about this. And so I want to encourage you on that, Chris. Two things I want to end with real quick. Um, first and foremost is how can, um, if there's one thing that you would tell them if they're just kind of struggling with this or they're going, man, you know, I just don't know if I'm like a group's person. Um, what's, what's one thing, lasting, lasting thought that you would, would give someone out there who's considering it but maybe saying, no, I just don't I think it's for me? It is foundational because whether... Your life is really good now. Chances are, at some point, you're going to need some encouragement. Um, and I would say take the, take the step of faith. But if you're like, you know what, committing to a group of people for like a year, that's a lot. We have opportunities where you can just show up at the men's prayer breakfast on Wednesday morning. You can just show up at the women's group that meets at Mangiamo's. You can just show up at Roots, and you can... Come once a month and nobody's going to say, where are you? And you don't have to text people and say, I'm not making it this week. So those are great stepping stones. But I would say just pray and ask God to give you the courage to try it. And I think you will find that it will change your life um, and your spiritual life and how you view God. Mm. Absolutely. And then the last thing is I want to, as we close today, I want to pray for Chris. And so I'm going to ask our church if you would stand up and be praying for Andrew McBride. And um, as we close today, I want to lay a hand on you and uh, pray for you and for Dave and also your daughter Amanda and Kelly. Um, be praying for the McBride family, an important part of our staff and in the life of our church. And um, God is at work and Satan's not happy. And so we as a church need to pray. Um, for Chris and the McBride family. So would you join me this morning? God, I thank you so much for Chris. God, I thank you for um, your, um, your servant who answered the call uh, long ago to be a part of, of leading groups and churches um, in different areas. I know uh, up, up north in, in Delaware and God in Charlotte and now here. God, I thank you for um, just her faithfulness. I thank you for Dave. God, I thank you for Amanda. God, I thank you for Kelly. And God, right now, I pray the prayer that Andrew asked me to pray for him and ask us to pray. And that is, is that he would have a clean bill of health. God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would do a miracle, God. And I know there are so many miracles in this room. But God, I pray that you would be with the McBrides right now. And God, be with the doctors, be with Andrew. God, I pray that you would heal him. That's our request. May your will be done, Father God. And I just pray for him right now in the strong name of Jesus. God, and I pray for anyone in this room who's here today. And maybe they've been living this Christian life for a while. Or God, maybe they've been living it for a very short period of time. God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would Speak to their heart right now, God, that you would help them understand the importance of getting involved in a, in a community, in a small group of other believers where they can share their life with, where they can open up to, where they can find support, where they can support, where they can um, help meet needs and also have their needs met. God, where they can go deeper in their understanding of you and your word, where they can pray for each other. God, I pray that you would get many people who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church involved in group life. God, I pray that you would help us to 
overcome our fears and our anxiety and our maybe our insecurity about what that looks like. Um, and God, I pray that we would understand that we were created for community. God, that this church and your church is uh, the avenue by which we express that and exercise that. And God, I pray that we would realize that we need to take action and get involved. And God, I pray that you would um, look at Hilton Head Island Community Church and that it would be a reflection of what that first church was like. God, I pray that you would be pleased with it. God, I pray for many people who would, who would get involved in what it means to be a part of a team, God. And God, I can't wait to see the results. I can't wait to see what that last verse says in Acts chapter 2, where in verse 47, where it says that you added to their number daily, day by day, those who were being saved. God, we look forward to that day, and I pray that you would do an amazing thing in and through the life of your church and your people. God, go before us right now. Be with the McBrides. Be with everyone in this room who's struggling with physical or any other needs, God. I pray that you would meet them and that they would seek you out to have them met. God, and I pray this all in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said.